God wants you to experience the life that He designed. We can't allow life to kill the dream that we dream. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You will look back on your life and you'll say, man, life is good. The Word of God brings the abundant life into focus and within your grasp. As you listen, open your heart and discover life. Hello, everybody. So glad that you joined us for Church Online. We're excited that to be together, uh, not physically, but to be together uh, through the media. And we're excited about what God's doing. As you know, uh, we decided to comply with what the president and our governor has said about meetings, not more than 10 people. So today, I'm looking at a lot of empty chairs. and But we are still going to go ahead with the services. and uh, But we're going to be doing them online for the next couple of weeks. And so we have the worship team here. I'm so glad for them and uh, their willingness to come out and be a part of this service. And so I'm glad that you joined us today. And we believe that we're going to have a, a great time together, that we're going to enter into God's presence. Uh, invite you to get together with your family around the computer or television, wherever you're hearing this today. It's also going to be posted um, at... Uh, uh, on YouTube, our YouTube channel later on today. And so we're excited that you're joining us. So let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Lord, we just thank you for uh, your greatness, who you are. And we just choose to turn our affection, our attention on you today. We know, Lord, that you are the loudest voice in the room. And we want to hear your voice. We want to sense your presence, feel your spirit, know what you're saying to us at this important time in history, Lord. And so we commit this time to you. We trust you, Lord, to speak clearly. And we just pray, God, that there be a presence that would go through the airwaves and go into each and everyone's home and wherever they're receiving this, and that their lives will be affected uh, eternally as a result of this service. We thank you, God, for your people today, your family, and we just uh, pray that you'll anoint this time now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So join in with us as Lauren leads us in worship. Give life. 
sound of his voice and sees it all shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken from my regard and through it all through it all my eyes are on you and through it all through it all it is well through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well with me.
Your mercy never fails me, and for all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God.
the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good. You're good. Oh, you, you are, are good. You're good.
remembered of a scripture verse where it says David was looking all around but then when he came into his presence then he understood. I just want to say that to encourage us this morning that when we when we are able to run boldly to his presence the perspective changes and we can exchange everything that would try to lie and just take his presence as our hope. So this morning let's just anchor our hearts in that. We're going to move on with the rest of this service and even though we're not um shaking hands with our neighbors. Shake hands with your family, give them a hug, be encouraged this morning. And we're just gonna move on to the rest of the service and receive the word today. Well, thank you worship team, God is good, amen. We're so glad to be able to uh, you know, share the word even though we're not in person, we get to share the word through uh, media, something I believe God has graciously given us the ability to do. I just want to make a few announcements here. Um, as you know, like I said at the beginning of the service, we are uh, responding to the, our President Trump and also the governor of Minnesota wishes that <clears throat> people would not meet in groups of more than 10. And so small group here this morning, uh, it's a new experience to preach to an empty church. But anyways, um, we usually have a full church and a lot of full of people full of God and excited. And it's easy to preach to because you draw they draw it out of you. And so we're going to continue on, though, just trusting that you are there uh, pulling it out of me this morning. Amen. <clears throat> I had to do all the singing. I was the only one in the congregation singing. So my voice is a little, little strained from singing. But anyways, uh, I just want to make a couple announcements. Um, first of all, that we are continuing our Wednesday night class, but of course it's online. And um, if you go to our website, uh, there, there will be instructions there. Um, we sent out an email to everybody that was attending the class how they could access the sermons and how they could get all the material. So make sure you, you respond to that. And then, because uh, we're going to keep this going. Also, um, if you want to give, you know, our expenses are continuing. And um, we are actually stepping up some of our uh, benevolent giving because of this uh, situation that uh, our nation is in. And so if you'd like to give, you can, of course, send a check to Destiny Church. The address here is uh, 27871 140th Avenue, Ashby, Minnesota, 56. 309, or you can go online to our website and there's a give uh, marker there. You can click on that and it'll show you how to give online. And so, but above everything else, if you are 
uh, needing to be prayed for or if you need to talk to somebody, please call the church. We are here. Uh, we posted phone numbers online and we are here during the week uh, all day long and we would love to pray for you. Amen. So today I have a message here I want to share with you. Um, I, uh, I was thinking the last few days and three words keep going through my mind. Three words keep going through my mind. They're the words inform, conform, or transform. If you've been involved in church at all, you know that the word conform and the word transform are taken out of Romans chapter, 13, uh, chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so those two words are recognizable to you. But uh, the word informed, I think that during this situation that we have going on in our nation, everybody wants to be informed. And a lot of people have, um, you know, we've, uh, we've kind of self-quarantined ourselves at home. And so there's a lot of, maybe a lot more free time than you have normally would have. And so people have a tendency when they have free time, there's a curiosity about what's going on in the world. And almost in some ways, a worry or a fear that now what's happening? Now, who, who's got it now? You know, where is it now? You know, it's like, how many people have died now? How many people in the world have it now? And it's kind of like a, a focus that people have developed now uh, because of this crisis. And so what people do is they'll sit for hours. This is, not, this is not an exaggeration. They'll sit for hours in front of their television watching news newscasts, uh, watching press conferences. They'll sit in front of their computer, computer and just search for new data on the coronavirus. And what this does is it creates something that is, uh, is detrimental to your faith. Um, you know, we want to be informed, and there's nothing wrong with being informed, but you can get informed in just a few minutes on what's going on. But what happens is that we, we, we use the word informed, or we use the, the idea of being informed, and we start to conform to the fear and the hysteria that's out there in the world. You know, in all my wildest imaginations, I would never think that if you had a, like a situation like this, a crisis or whatever you want to call it, that the one thing that people would be hoarding is toilet paper. I mean, that to me, I got three laughs from the people here. So <laughs> that to me is like, I, if, you, if you were would to say to me that what people will want to hoard is toilet paper, I'd say, no way. That's crazy. There's no way they'd be hoarding that. If I was a betting man, I'd bet totally against that. But it's absolutely true. I was, I was getting gas one day, and I asked my wife, uh, maybe, this is t maybe this is TMI, too much information. But I asked my wife, how many rolls do we have? Because I heard people were hoarding it. And she goes, she couldn't count. She goes, we only got six. I thought, well, I better pick some up. I mean, six rolls, that's not very much. And so, uh, so I was getting gas, and I saw there was a Walmart over there. I thought, well, maybe I should go to Walmart. So as I walked up to Walmart, I was going to get some other groceries. I, people were coming out of the Walmart with their carts. And I'm not kidding you. Uh, almost every cart had a, a case or two cases. One lady had three cases of toilet paper in her cart. And I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, really? And, and so I go to the, I go inside and I don't, I don't really usually shop for toilet paper. So I don't even know where it is in the store, especially Walmart's a big store. So I asked the lady, uh, do you think there's any toilet paper? And she goes, I, I highly doubt it. And uh, so I started getting some other stuff, some groceries. And I walked down the aisle and I saw the sign that said toilet tissue. And so I thought, well, I'll just check. 
So I turned the corner and, and they were totally empty. I mean, there was, everything was totally empty. I mean, it's a weird feeling to look down at a, a shelf and it's totally empty. I mean, the whole aisle. And I thought, wow. But then I looked over and I saw this lady had just pulled up a pallet full of toilet paper. So talk about God's timing. <laughs> and, and so I went up to the lady and I said, uh, is this toilet paper? And she goes, yes. I said, oh, can I take a case? She goes, you might as well, everyone else is. So I took my case of toilet paper, I turned, and as I was turning to walk back to my cart, three other people were coming. They, they weren't running, but they were scurrying. You know, they were like, this is important. And they, you know, they kind of like bumped me, not bumped into me, but pretty much get out of my way. You know, it's kind of like that. And I thought, what is going on? <laughs> what is going on here? Toilet tissue, really? I mean, there's other ways to take care of that type of business. But I guess that is something that uh, people, uh, but, but that speaks to this whole thing about people, they listen to stuff online, they're, they're in the name of being informed, they start conforming to the, um, to the hysteria that's out there. And I don't think that this is God's desire or God, I don't think he wants us to respond this way to what's taking place. You know, we, we have a choice, you know, um, we can either choose fear or we can choose to be in the name of being informed, to embrace the spirit of this age and what's going on in this age, or we can choose to have faith, choose to believe. Now, if fear has a strong grip on you, you may not think that it's a choice, but it is a choice, and I want to talk to you about that this morning. Um, because I, I think we should, the question that we need to ask ourselves is how does God want us to respond to this situation? How does God, I mean, obviously God knew this was going to take place, and, um, and we can't, you know, control everything. But how does God want us to, to respond? We can control, we can't control every situation, but we can control our response. And how does God want us to respond? And we've said this many times, so many times that you're going you're gonna to think, is he going to say that again? But the very first thing that God would say to us is fear not. He would say, fear not, don't get into fear. And when God tells you not to get into fear or not to do something, it's actually wrong for us to get into fear. And we should not be in fear. And, and listen, our world, you know, we're supposed to be salt and light. Our world needs a believing church that's full of faith, praying and, and declaring what God is saying in this hour, not what the, the fear is dictating to us. You know, we've heard uh, the Bible say, this many times that I saw it posted uh, on Facebook a lot, 2 Timothy 1.7, where it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so the atmosphere about us, the atmosphere about us should not be fear. Now, I realize that we, you know, it's, it's, it's not wrong to take precautions and, and it's not, I don't, th I don't think we should be reckless. But on the other hand, I don't think that our precautions should be motivated by fear but more or less because they're asking us to do certain things, and that's why we're doing it, to, to respond positively to our, to our authorities. But I don't think in any way we should respond to fear, because that fear does not come from God. And the environment or the atmosphere about us should not be an atmosphere of fear, but it should be an atmosphere of power and love and a sound mind. Hoarding, new, hoarding toilet tissue is not a sound mind. I'm telling you that right now. That's crazy and all the other things that they're hoarding, that's crazy. And we should have a sound mind. 
And, um, and most of the faith community, I've been listening to sermons online. I, I admonish you, I encourage you. There, you can listen to preaching 24 hours a day. I would encourage you to double up, triple up, quadruple up on hearing some good faith-filled sermons that will inspire the daylights out, out of you so that when you walk around, you have an atmosphere of faith about you and not an atmosphere of fear. And, and, and a lot of the, uh, the faith, like I said, the faith community is encouraging people not to be afraid. And I totally agree with that. But one thing that is important for us to understand is how do we get into faith and how do we get out of fear? Because, um, you know, I heard someone say that fear is to Satan what faith is to God. Fear is to Satan what faith is to God. By responding to fear, we give the spirit of fear power over us and over situations in our life. And so both fear and faith have a source. It comes from somewhere. You know, you weren't born fearful. You have to develop fear. It has to be developed in your life. It comes from a source. And um, that source is, and that, we choose which source we're going to listen to. We choose what, what information is going to come into our mind and our heart. We make that choice, and then we have to live with the consequences of it. But there are many stories in the Bible that teach us the necessity of having the right focus in order to have faith. You know, I think about this story, and, and if you've heard me preach, you probably heard me preach on this, but the story of Peter walking on the water is found in Matthew chapter 14. And I won't go into the whole story, but it starts in verse 26. The disciples, of course, they're struggling against this wind and this uh, adverse weather, and Jesus is not with them, and they're trying to get to the other side. And they've been at it all night, rowing, the wind is contrary. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking on the water. And so they, the Bible says they see him walking on the water and they're troubled because they think he's a, it's a ghost. And they cry out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer or be of good courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There again, there's that admonition. And Peter asked him, and Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, Bid me, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I just think that part, if you stop right there, that's an amazing story. I mean, I mean, wow, Peter, way to go. I mean, he is actually walking on the water. That's amazing. That is like, are you kidding me? People don't walk on water. That's not a normal thing that people do every day. But Peter is so caught up in the moment. And when Jesus said, come, he had so much trust and so much faith in, in that word come, he gets out of the water and so, gets out of the boat and starts walking to Jesus. That's just amazing. And he's walking there on the water. That is miraculous. I can't tell you how miraculous that is. And he's doing that because Jesus said, come. His focus is totally on what Jesus said. Jesus told him to come. His focus is totally on that. And then something bad happens. And so he gets out of the water, gets out of the boat, starts walking to Jesus. But now listen to this. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, as if that has anything to do with it, he saw it's the wind. He, he, let me say this to you. He already knew the wind was boisterous. They've been at it all night. They've been fighting this wind all night. They already knew the wind was boisterous. 
But what I'm saying here is that he's doing something supernatural because Jesus said to him, come. And so he's doing something supernatural. He's walking on the water to come to Jesus. And all of a sudden, he breaks focus and he starts seeing this wave. He looks at the wave and he, all of a sudden, because it was, ad, it was a boisterous wave, wow, a boisterous wave, or the wind was boisterous, uh, he, he loses focus and the Bible tells us that he starts to sink and he cries out to Jesus to help him. And Jesus lifts him up and he says, what, where were, why, did you, why were you afraid? Why did you lose focus? See, when we lose focus, fear starts getting a grip on our lives. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can be full of faith. And that's where you have to, get, you have to give yourself a faith temperature this morning. Give your, just like you take your temperature you know, in the natural and you see where you're at, give yourself a faith temperature. Find out where you're at. What is the spirit about you? Is it fear? I mean, like I said, it's not wrong to be cautious, but it's wrong to be, to be, to be full of fear. It's wrong to have fear at this time. God wants us to be full of faith because we need believers that are full of faith praying against this nonsense so that it will go because I believe that it's going to be short-lived, that it's not going to be what they say it's going to be. You know, I heard a report just recently and I, I finally said, I'm not listening to this anymore, but, but it's like they're running out of things, bad things to say. They're saying uh, being self-quarantined will actually hurt your skin. I thought, What? It's like, now we're reporting that being self-quarantined will hurt your skin? Go outside and stand in the sun for a while. I mean, come on, it's going to hurt your skin. That's, I, I just think they're running out of bad things to report. But, but my point is, is that Peter lost his focus, and then Jesus, you know, he concludes by saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Why did he get into doubt? Obviously, when he was walking on the water, he was in faith. And his focus was on the word that Jesus had spoken to him, come. But why did he get into doubt? Because he, he began to change his focus and look at the boisterous winds. And so Jesus, and you can see this in many stories, and most of you that have, have been a Christian for a while know about all the different stories in the Bible where Jesus would be frustrated with his disciples because they would, they would lose sight of what he said and they would start to look at the contrary circumstances. And because of it, they would start to sink or they would start to, to lose hope or they would start to not have what God wanted them to have in their life. And, so, and that, so that was a common thing that Jesus rebuked them over was their littleness of faith and their unbelief. And so I, I believe today that Jesus would say the same thing to us. You know, we look at all these things that are taking place and uh, in our country and Jesus would say, where is your faith? We, we need to be full of faith at this time and not be staring at the storm because there's a storm in our country and, and people are in great fear. And I think that what God wants is saying to us is to be full of faith. And it's the same thing he said to his disciples. And we can't let fear grip us and cause us to be, uh, be pulling, pulled aside and to get into despair. You know, I wrote this down in my notes Faith doesn't begin with the eliminating of a problem. It begins with the shifting of our focus. Let me just say that again. Faith doesn't begin with the eliminating of problems. It begins with the shifting of our focus. You know, in Hebrews it says, 
looking away unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Looking away, looking away from what? Well, looking away at the winds that are boisterous. Looking away from that unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen, whatever it takes for you to look away unto Jesus this week, do it. If you've got to throw your computer out the window, throw your computer out the window. It's one thing to be informed. It's another thing to conform. What we want to be is transformed at this particular time. And so we've got to have the right focus. Faith doesn't begin with the elimination of problems. It begins with the shifting of our focus. When our focus changes from looking at the wind and the waves and to the Lord, like like the Bible says, Lord, our eyes are upon you, then our faith begins to breathe. And our faith needs to breathe in this time because this is so vitally important. So this, this principle of focus is seen everywhere in the scriptures. It's seen everywhere in scriptures. You know, I, I think this is a crazy story. I heard this, um, and most of us have heard the story of Jairus's, the healing of Jairus's daughter. And so Jesus goes there, you know, Jairus asks him to come. And then the woman with the issue of blood is healed. And then Jesus finally gets to Jairus' daughter, to Jairus's house, but the daughter has died. And so Jesus walks in and everybody's crying. You can imagine, you know, they're, they're, in, they're in a lot of sorrow and suffering and they're lamenting and they're, there's this huge turmoil of sorrow in this house. And listen to what Jesus said. Jesus goes, what do you got, you know, what is this big ado? What are you making this big ado about this? Well, hello, Jesus. We just had somebody die. That's why we're making this big ado. And then he goes, he goes, uh, he, he says, she's not dead. She's sleeping. Now, how many know there's a difference in your response to somebody who died and somebody who's sleeping? So Jesus is over there going, it'd be like if you, you, I went to your house, which I wouldn't do until later, but... If I went to your house and, and you said, my daughter is sleeping, you're crying and sobbing, I'm going, I'd look at you and go, why are you crying because she's sleeping? Why are you making this big ado over the fact that she's sleeping? Why would you do that? Most mothers are, thank God they're sleeping. Now I'm going to get something done. You know, that, that's what most mothers would say. But, but so Jesus has a totally different perspective on this. He's going, why are you making this ado about nothing? Because it's, this is not the end. This is not death. This is just a momentary hiccup in time. And this is going to turn around in just a minute. As soon as I get all you criers out of here, as soon as I get all you whiners, all you people that are making a big ado about this, as soon as I get you out of here, I'll do something about this situation. And then he goes over there, picks up the woman, picks up the hand, says, tells her to arise, she gets up, and then it's a total miracle. You know, it's interesting, I heard that Shakespeare, I don't, I'm not really into Shakespeare, but I heard this guy say that Shakespeare actually did a play, he got it from this story. It's, it's a, 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 what, a lot to do about nothing, or something like that. A lot to do about nothing, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I don't know, the, the few people that are here, have you guys ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot to do about nothing. But that's where he got the story because basically what Jesus is saying, what is all this ado about nothing? And, and, and I think that, I, I'm not trying to say this virus is nothing, but I'm saying as far as God is concerned, it's not that big a deal. 
You know, it's interesting how, how faith affects the way you look at things. You know, I thought about the story of David in the Bible. I love David because David is, uh, he's, he not only does he, we, we see what he did, but through the Psalms, we see how he processed things. Because we think that he's just like this man of faith. He's always, I'm full of faith. But actually, it's not that way. Sometimes he's struggling. He tells you about his whole struggle. But then he, kind of, he goes, I, he always comes to this place of victory where his soul is lifted up. And he senses God's presence. And he comes out and he, and he, uh, and he has faith and he has victory. But I like that about David. But the same story, and you guys have read it many times, about David and Goliath. And so all the... Israelites are totally afraid of Goliath and Goliath is making fun of them. And when David comes, he goes, he has the same, what is this big ado about nothing? He goes, who's this guy think he is? He has a totally different perspective. Who's this guy think he is? He's defying the armies of the living God. And he says, and, and so we all know the story, how he marched out there and with a slingshot and said, I'm taking your head off. And, and, he, and, he, and he acted in faith and there was a great victory. But I think this is what God is trying to bring us to the point where every single one of us believers, you know, we, we can be informed, but we're not going to be conformed. We're going to be informed to a certain extent, but we're not going to be conformed to the spirit of fear. We're going to be transformed by what the word of God says. We're going to be transformed by what Jesus is saying to us in this hour. That's what we're going to be. We're going to be transformed. You know, one last story I'll give you before I sort of bring this thing to a, uh, uh, I'll start circling the runway, circling the airport here. But, but one last story that really speaks to me is, um, is the story of Jonah. Because this principle of focus is so uh, prevalent in Scripture. And the story of Jonah is a classic example of this. You know, you think about this for a second. Jonah was swallowed by this great fish. Now, I don't know. He says he spent three days and three nights. I don't know. Did, it, did he wait that long to start praying? I mean, come on. I mean, do, I mean, if I was swallowed by a fish, I would be praying. I would be praying starting, boom, first minute, I'm starting praying. I wouldn't be looking around going, now what do I do? I mean, I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be praying. But for some reason, he's in this belly of this fish for three days and three nights. And, um, and so what happens is uh, that nothing in the situation changed until, no, until Jonah changed his perspective or changed his focus. You know, when you're in, in the belly of a great fish, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, there's really only one or two ways out. I, I don't, I don't want to be crude. We were talking about toilet paper earlier, but when you get swallowed by a fish, there's only one of two ways out. I don't know if, if you know that much about science, but the first way is the fish, it, you can come out the mouth. That's one way out. The other way, we don't go into a lot of details about it, but it, it's, not a good, it's not a good outcome is what I'm trying to say. And there are two different outcomes. You can either come out of the mouth or you can be absorbed into the fish and then become a can I say ball movement? So you're going to become, one way or another, you're coming, you're going to get, that's the only ways out of this thing. And, and so the Bible says that he was in the belly of the fish. We don't know how long he was in there. Uh, well, we know three days and three nights, but we don't know how long he was in there before he started to pray. But in verse, chapter two, verse seven, look at what he said. He said, when my life was ebbing away, 
So I don't know if he's, he's in there because I'm sure there were gastric juices in the belly of that fish. And I'm sure he's kind of looking at himself. He goes, I'm getting white in here. You know, I'm, I'm, starting, to, I'm starting to be dissolved into this fish. That's what's happening to me right now. He goes, when my life is ebbing away. Then he goes, I remembered you. Now, it would be easy to go, oh, no. What am I going to do? Look at that. I'm turning white. I got seaweed wrapped around my head. This is horrible. What are we going to do? It would be easy to be totally focused on the inside of that fish. Totally focused on it. But he said, when my, when my life was ebbing away, he goes, I remembered you. This is the turning point. So in other words, what he did was he switched his focus. He goes, I remembered you. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. This and this, that was verse 7, it's the second chapter. Verse 9 says, but I, with listen to this, with shouts of grateful praise will, will, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. He goes, he, not only is he, is he praying, is he remembering God, but actually a certain amount of joy must have come to him because he says, I was with shouts of grateful praise, shout. Can you see that fish? <laughs> it's quite an image. That fish is swimming around, great big old fish. And all of a sudden, inside the fish is all this, glory to God, hallelujah, praise God, hallelujah, amen. He, sa he says, when, he's, when he says, I remembered you, he's saying, I changed my focus. I'm not thinking about the inside of this fish and what's floating around inside of here. But I'm, I'm changing my focus. I remembered your promises. I remembered your faithfulness. I remembered your goodness. And out of remembering, my prayer rose to you. So it was his, the, the promises of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God that inspired uh, Jonah's prayer. And so what happened was God spoke to the fish and this fish spit him out on dry land. But here's what you have to understand is we choose which way our life will go. This is what I started out by saying. We choose faith or fear. It's our choice but based on our focus. We can, we, can eat, we can be informed to an extent, but if we stay being informed, what happens is we, we start to conform. And God wants us to be transformed. So we choose which way our life will go based on our response to trouble. That's really a good statement, Steve. I think you ought to say that again. I believe will. So uh, we choose which way our life will go based upon our response to trouble. Either you become absorbed into your problems, either this whole situation will absorb you. And you'll, uh, I won't go any further than that. You absorbed into your problem and your problem becomes absorbed into you or you change your focus and your problems will vomit you out. Isn't that a good, isn't that a good way to put it? Your Some of us, if we will start praising God and change our focus and praise God in the midst of this situation, the situation will start going, because oh, it's not, it just can't stomach us anymore. As long as we are consistent with our, our situation, our situation just absorbs us and we are absorbed into our problem and our, our, our problems absorb us into it. And we just, that's everything is cool. But when we start turning, changing, boy, I wish you were all here today. I could yell and scream right now. But we were all, when we all, when we turn our focus and we start lifting our hands and saying, praise God, God's got this. God, the, the storm is past. Good things are ahead. Our God has never failed us. I've been 
I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. We start declaring God's goodness in our situation. What happens is our problems start going, oh, this, this is giving me digestion. Having this crazy, this crazy person, this morsel, this morsel doesn't taste as good as it used to taste. It tasted a lot better when he was complaining, whining, and full of fear. But now it's kind of like, oh, this is giving me indigestion in your problems will vomit you out. Amen. I like that. That's good. That's good preaching, Steve. And so, and so here's the thing. If we have to, if, if, if our goal is to be fully informed on what the belly of a fish looks like, you'll definitely be absorbed into your surroundings. In other words, you'll conform. But if you change your focus, you'll become transformed and be in a position to speak to the winds and the waves, and they will obey you. Because one thing that Jesus did was Jesus had a tremendous focus. It said in the Psalms, it said, talking about Jesus, it says that he had set the Lord always before his eyes, he, he, and he was not moved. And so it's very important for us not to spend hours, now listen to me, hours on the internet getting every little tidbit there is negative news because, you know, newscasters, a lot of times, they have to sensationalize the news to keep you hooked. But if we'll turn, there's some other news that is in our world today, and that's God's good news. And if we'll turn our attention to that and stop focusing on the bad news, I think something will drastically change about the atmosphere that we, are, that we live in, and we'll be able to change our environments. And so here's the deal. Uh, we must decide who will shape our thinking. And there's a vast difference between these two worlds and the information that they're bringing. Uh, and if you have more input from this world, there's no question that you're going to conform and, and you're going to and, and, and really go down the wrong track. I'm trying to bring this to a conclusion here. But if you become, we become what we behold. And so instead of beholding fear, despair and depression, we need, to, we need to be filled with what God is saying to us in this hour. So I want to pray together, and um, I'm not sure if we're going to do another song, um, but let, why don't we do another song because we have a few minutes left. But let me just pray together with you, and I just want to encourage you once again to not isolate yourself. Uh, get around other believers who will, um, who will be able to speak faith and speak life to you. Because it's very important, I just want to emphasize this, I can't emphasize it enough, how important it is for you to be full of faith at this time. But let's, as you are hearing this today, let's agree in prayer today, uh, wherever you are, about the, our, our, our nation and the leaders of our nation, and, and let's just pray against this virus. Amen. Lord, we just lift up our nation to you right now. And Lord, we know that you have been good to us, you have been so good to us, and we acknowledge every blessing that we've received comes from you, from your kind, loving hand. We're so thankful and grateful to you, Lord. And so, Lord, we just pray for our president and the leaders of our nation and uh, the leaders of our state, Lord. We just pray, God, <clears throat> that you strengthen them at this time. We just pray, God, that they would become immune to the criticism, immune to the evil voices, and that they would be able to lead and direct our nation in the right way. 
We just pray, God, that you will give our president and our, our government leaders wisdom right now, Lord. Well, Lord, we just pray for a, a supernatural cure for this situation, for this virus. And God, we just, as, as a, a community of believers, we just take our stand against this virus now in the mighty name of Jesus. We, we speak against it. Jesus said, if we say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, it will obey us. And Lord, right now we speak to this virus. We command it in Jesus' name to sputter to an end and stop existing in our nation and in the world. We just speak to it right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us victory in this situation. Lord, we want you to know that our eyes are on you at this time. And we believe you for, for a breakthrough. Hallelujah. Let's sing this song together as we close.
Praise God. God is good. I, I know that this week you're, you'll not be shaken because God's word tells us that we have a kingdom that is unshakable. He'll shake everything, but we have received a kingdom that is unshakable. So I want to encourage you this week. If you need prayer for anything, please contact us and uh, we would love to pray for you. Call the church here, contact us by email, whatever. But we would love to pray for you. But I just want you to want you to know that we are we are with you. We love you. We're believing God for you, the safety of you and your family. And we're trusting great things are that God is doing in our lives. And so everybody have a great week. Stay safe. Stay full of God. Keep your focus. And God will bring great things into your life. God bless you. See you next time. And I want you to know that he can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.